Welcome to the Faith for All podcast. This week, we're listening to a sermon given by Pastor Dana O'Brien about living the Lord's Prayer. We hope this message is inspirational for you. All right, you can all be seated. I know I do it backwards, but that's okay. We actually have three gospel readings today. Our first is from Mark, the first chapter, verses 14 and 15. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Our second from the 17th chapter of Luke. Once Jesus was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God was coming and he answered, the kingdom of God is not coming with things that can be observed, nor will they say, look, there it is, or that's it. For in fact, the kingdom of God is among you. And finally, from the 22nd chapter of Luke, he came out, Jesus came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. And when they reached the place, he said to them, pray that you may not come into the time of trial. Then Jesus withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. The gospel of our Lord. It's a test to see which of you have grown up in the Lutheran or Catholic church or any mainline Protestant church, I suppose. All right, today we continue our look at the Lord's Prayer. Today we're going to focus on the prayer's second line. But first, just in case um, either you weren't with us last week or more likely you're like me and can't remember what I did yesterday, much less what I did last week, um, just just a kind of a, a recap of what happened. Okay, last week we looked at the first line, Our Father in Heaven. And we learned that when Jesus told us to pray using the same word he did, our Father, he was inviting us into the exact same intimate relationship that he had with his Father, assuring us that we too, we too are God's beloved children. And then we, then we explored a rather archaic line, and somebody called me on this, hallowed be thy name, not hallowed, but hallowed be thy name. And we found out that when we, we pray this phrase, we're not so much, we're not so much asking God to keep God's name holy. Instead, we're asking God to help us, to help us keep God's name holy. Because so often, God isn't the one that, that, that profanes his name. Us. We're the ones. So often, we're the ones who give God a bad name, give God a bad reputation. Every time we say that we're followers of Jesus, right? But then don't live out God's love and mercy and grace to those around us. Every time we do that, we profane God's name. God needs to help us hallow it. So today, we're going to finish off the, the what I would say is the first half of the Lord's Prayer, the part that deals with how we love, honor, and obey God. Now, remember last week, um, we noticed that the Lord's Prayer is kind of broken up into two almost equal parts, and those two parts dovetail really nicely with Jesus' two most important commandments, to love God with our heart and mind and soul, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. And so today we continue to focus on what it means to love God in the petitions that deal with um, hallowing, obeying, living God's will, and bringing in God's kingdom. So, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it's a, it's a really good thing that we're looking at these, these together because they're intimately connected. Um, indeed, the second part, we're bringing in God's will, actually expands and builds upon the first because when God's will is done, God's kingdom comes. So first, 
And, and this is really easy to notice and we'll be pointing it out later on as well. It's thy kingdom. And later, thy will, guys, or, or your kingdom, your will. The point is, it's God's kingdom and God's will. And this is really key. When we pray, we are not focused on what we want, okay? We're not trying to get God to help us expand our own little kingdoms and do our own will. When Jesus gave us this prayer, he very intentionally focused on God first, what God wants, what God wills. Every time, every single time we say this prayer, we are training our hearts, our minds to think less of ourselves and more about God. And, and I, and I, when we actually learn to live this way, as, as the prayer begins to transform our lives and surrender our will to God's will, we will find that our relationships and indeed our entire lives are richer and more meaningful than they were when we were trying to live by our own agendas and our own will. And I'm guessing that some of you here and out there, you understand, you know what that feels like, right? Because there have been times, and maybe those times are right now, when you move through life trusting God's will on a daily basis, where it's not your will, where it's not your agenda, it's God's will, and it changes the quality of every aspect of your life. And if you haven't already experienced that, then you're in for something really good and really exciting. So back to thy kingdom come. The phrase is, this phrase is really important, really important because some, in fact, some say that the reference to God's kingdom in this prayer is the crux of the prayer. And that's because the kingdom of God, or as Matthew refers to it, the kingdom of heaven, doesn't matter. It's the same thing. The kingdom of God is at the heart of Jesus preaching and teaching. Okay. Jesus refers to God's kingdom over 100 times in the gospel, more than he refers to anything else. Sin, money, compare, he refers to church three times, okay? Kingdom of God, 100, church, three, okay? Show you, show you how important the kingdom of God is to Jesus. Living out God's kingdom is central, central to everything Jesus says and does. And we're going to talk more about this after Easter. And I think, I think we probably talk more about the kingdom of God here than any place I've ever been before. But in essence, the kingdom of God is what the abundant life that God wants for each of us looks like, okay? That's the essence of the definition. It's God's original blueprint for each and every one of us, okay? Now, um, we it's, 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 actually, it's actually what humanity had at the beginning of the world before we decided to go our own way and, and walk away from God. And it's how things will look again at some point when God's redemptive mission is fully complete and what, when, what God desires, when God's will is fully here on earth, just as it, it is in heaven. So Jesus, as I said, was all about God's kingdom. In fact, God's kingdom was inaugurated. It was begun on earth in Jesus. Remember our readings today, our first reading, um, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near, right? Jesus' first words, those are the very first thing he said to start his ministry. The kingdom of heaven is near. And that again, that's because it, it was in Matthew's gospel. Um, Later, he comments to the Pharisees, don't bother to look for the kingdom because, because it's right here. It's right among you. The kingdom is present in Jesus because here's the thing. In Jesus, something simply amazing and earth-shattering, something we have never seen before happened, right? It takes us back to Christmas. God actually became one of us. Now, Christians, we kind of, we kind of we don't appreciate the radical, the radical thing of that. God became one of us. And when that happened, God's kingdom came with God to earth. Okay? 
So everything Jesus said and did, everything, his teaching, his miracles, his parables, his very life, give us glimpses. He never says this is exactly what the kingdom of life, the kingdom of God is. Instead, we get little glimpses of what the kingdom looks like. He healed the sick. He forgave sinners. He welcomed foreigners. He raised the dead. Why? Because in God's kingdom, everyone is whole. Sin is, is nowhere to be found. All people are welcome and life, not death, abounds. Jesus talked about mercy and love and justice. He told, he told these really weird upside down stories where, where historic enemies like Samaritans, they turn out to be the good guys, right? Where, where all workers get paid a living wage regardless of whether they work for one hour or for the entire day. Where, where the ones originally invited to the party don't actually end up there. Instead, you know who, you know who's there? It's, it's the blind and the lame and the poor who can't reciprocate the, the invitation. That's what God's topsy-turvy kingdom looks like, says Jesus, right? So different from the world that we live in, and it's coming. Of course, we know. We know that, that God's kingdom is not fulfilled. It's not complete yet. We, we only need to look around to realize that, and there's still, much, still too much brokenness, still too much sin, still too much violence and war and hate in our world for that to be the case. God's kingdom came to earth in Jesus. It started, but it's not yet complete. It's not yet full. But... But all we have to do is look around. If you look around, you cannot help. You cannot help but see little glimpses, little glimpses of God's kingdom breaking in all around us. Every time we see life, every time we see truth or beauty, every time love overcomes hate or, or forgiveness is extended to someone or, or strangers are welcome, or every time something good is done for someone else, bang, that's a kingdom sighting, right? We've just seen a glimpse of God's kingdom, even in the midst of war. And, and we've talked a lot about this, this war because unlike no other war before it, it comes into our daily lives just like that. You can, you can experience it live with the, with the people who are, who are doing it on YouTube and TikTok and, and whatnot. But even in the midst of all this devastation, of all this tragedy, you can see little pieces of God's kingdom breaking in. And I'm, I'm not even talking about the amazing bravery of those Ukrainian citizens who are out there in the streets risking their lives each and every day. I'm just talking about the smaller stuff, right? Just the smaller things. The man who traveled thousands of miles so he could play his piano and welcome refugees at the Polish border, right? The, the people who leave strollers with coats for moms and supplies in lines at train stations for women who have abandoned their own in their, in their attempt to flee their homes with their kids, right? Those, those living in bomb shelters and underground metro stations who keep each other's spirits up with, with songs and with music, like that, that little girl who sang Frozen's Let It Go. I don't know if you saw that on TV. Little, little pieces of God's kingdom breaking in, even in the midst of, even in the midst of a war, you guys. That's how God works. And so when we pray, when we pray thy kingdom come, we're asking God to let us be a part of bringing God's kingdom to earth. We don't want, we're saying we don't want to sit idly by and wait for God to do it. We're talking, to, we're telling God we want to be, we want to be kingdom agents. We want to partner with God to make this world more of what God originally designed it to be. I know, I know I use this quote by Pope Francis all the time, but it is just so good. It is such a great example of what we do each and every time we pray, especially when we pray this Lord's Prayer. You pray for the hungry, then you feed them. You pray for the hungry, then you feed them. That's how prayer works. We pray for God's transforming kingdom to come, and then we go out and we partner with God to do it, to bring it in. We look for God working around us, blessing and freeing and healing people, and then we jump in 
and help. That's what it means to pray, thy kingdom come. Now, our final gospel reading this morning reminds us that the prayer Jesus taught his disciples was also the pattern with which he lived his life, right? In that Garden of Gethsemane, right before all, I guess I can say it, literally all hell breaks loose, um, Jesus, Jesus is praying to his Father, and, and he, he tells God what he wants, and then he says, but Father, not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. And when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we're praying just like Jesus. Every time we pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we're praying for God's will to be done here, not ours, not anybody else's. We're praying for our lives and our hearts to be transformed, our relationship with God to be deepened, so that increasingly we grow to want what God wants. We grow to want what God wants. And you guys, I know this is hard. Even when our will and God's will don't coincide, and that happens probably more often than any of us might wish, we pray that we can surrender our will and we ask God will, God's will to be done. Now, as we, as we, you know, we just discussed, we're in these in-between times, between the time when God's kingdom was inaugurated and the time it's going to be fully and completely here. We only have to look around to know that that not everything that happens on this earth is God's will, right? And we talked about this a lot in that last sermon series. Um, sin and brokenness and pain and suffering, those are never, never, never God's will. But yet our will, world is filled with them. Not everything that happens here right now in these in-between times is God's will. And so we pray. We pray that God's will will be done. Not my will or your will, someone else's will, but God's will. And then like we do with the coming of the kingdom of God, we pledge, we commit to be the ones that do God's will instead of our own. So we've, we've now come to the end of the, the Lord's Prayer petitions that deal with, that, that focus on God. And so next week, we're going to focus on daily bread and, and needs and stuff. But I hope that what we're learning, especially, well, I, I was going to say especially with these first petitions, but no, it carries, carries over into the next, in the next group of petitions too. This is more than just a prayer, right? We never just pray. It's also a call to action. When we pray for God's name to be hallowed and God's kingdom to come and God's will to be done, we commit to partner with God in making that happen. And so to help us do that, I've got something to add to our Lenten spiritual practices this week. And yes, I know I've, I've phrased it in terms of spiritual practices, but you know what it means. It means more homework. Now, I hope that all of you are, are getting the hang of praying the Lord's Prayer three times per day. That was our homework for last week. And if you missed it, it's not too late to start. You can jump in right now. Um, the early church in the Didache, the early church prayed the Lord's Prayer three times each day, not as a communal group, but individually they prayed it. Um, and so we're, we're trying to do that too. And so um, I'll admit, I don't know about you guys, but it's hard to remember, especially if you're not used to doing it. There may be some of you that pray it all the time now. I was not one of those people before this week. So there were a couple of days when I found myself praying two and maybe once even three times right before I went to bed because I had somehow had forgotten earlier in the day. But those things happen. We have a forgiving God, mercy, grace, all that kind of stuff. So hopefully we are ready to add something new. And today we talked about, we talked a lot about, in fact, we talked all about participating in what God is doing in the world around us to bring in God's kingdom, to do God's will. One of the best ways, one of the best ways to figure out what God's will is is to listen when God speaks to us, right? To listen when God speaks to us. We pray, and then we listen. Now, just because, because just as we have something to say to God in prayer, odds are something that God may have something to say to us as well, right? 
So this week, we're going to continue to pray the Lord's Prayer three times each day, but then we're also going to sit back and we're going to spend some time listening for what God has to say to us. And you can, I can think of two ways to do it. If you can think of some other way, go for it. Um, the two ways I thought of it was pausing at times during the prayer and listening for God to speak or sitting quietly afterward and just waiting for God to speak into your heart. Um, you guys, after all, conversation is always a two-way street and prayer is a conversation with God. And so I guarantee that as we pray this prayer and then listen for what God's response is, we will, we will find ourselves growing more and more and more like our Father, the God to whom we are praying. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and that you're able to bring some of these concepts into your life. Come back next week for another episode of Faith for All. Faith for All was created by Cross of Glory Church. If you'd like more information on Cross of Glory, please visit our webpage at crossofglory.com where you can learn more about the church, see our upcoming events, and watch previous services and sermons. You can also find us on Facebook and YouTube. Everyone, and we do mean everyone, is welcome to join us at 9.30 a.m. each Sunday morning for worship on our website, Facebook, YouTube, or in person at 14719 West 163rd Street, Homer Glen, Illinois. If you enjoyed this podcast, please tell your friends, family, and anyone else you can think of about it. Faith for All is available on Podbean, Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, or wherever else you find podcasts. Todd Mazera created our original music. John Uzardo engineered the sound. Jeff Wanderson handled the production duties. And I'm your friend and humble announcer, Andrew Morin. Thank you for joining us. Thank you.